Okay. All right. Stop, 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 stop. Finish the sentence. The Holy Spirit is. God within us. No, you can't us. actually say the first part of it. Say the sentence. The Holy Spirit. Oh, the Holy Spirit is, be, is God in us. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> all right, just say a sentence like you're normal, and I'm not like goading you to say something here. Oh, yeah. You know, just like the, a minute. Just take, the a, Holy se- Spirit just take is, a breath in and then say the sentence. The Holy Spirit is God in us. All right. There, there we go. go. That's what I'm talking about. Finish the sentence. The Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is powerful. The Holy Spirit is the most underappreciated part of our Trinity God. The Holy Spirit is my comforter. The Holy Spirit is alive and well at Lake Spring. To me, the Holy Spirit is the giver of life. The member of the Godhead that convicts us. I shouldn't have said it like that. I should have said it like normal. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us. The Holy Spirit is the good part of my conscience. The Holy Spirit is alive and well at Lake Springs Church. The Holy Spirit is... The Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit is... The Holy Spirit is the wind in my sails. Hey everybody, it's Garrett Huxford again. Welcome back to the Trenches Podcast. Uh, we have a cool two-week series going on. We're in the middle of our Wind in Our Sails series. And I was trying to put together a podcast that had a bunch of different uh, stories and, and insights spliced together. And, you know, I was listening to the podcast and I thought, these things, uh, these interviews are just really good. They're really helpful. And I thought, let's just let them stand on their own two feet. And so this week we have my friend Stephen Saxton calling in from Savannah, Georgia to share his thoughts on the Holy Spirit. And next week, we're going to have John Davis do it. And um, I just hope this uh, interview is helpful to you, and I hope you find it uh, entertaining and, and fun to, to be a part of. All right. With that being said, let's get on to the show. I'm Garrett Huxford. This is the Trenches Podcast, and welcome to the show. All right, we better do this thing, man. Yes. Be All right. Welcome to the Trenches Podcast. This is a midweek show that is loosely connected to our Sunday sermons here at Lake Springs Church in Holly Springs, North Carolina. And today we have Stephen Saxon joining us from Savannah, Georgia. He is the senior pastor of Islands Christian Church and uh, the lead pastor of where I used to work. So welcome to the show, Stephen. Awesome. Is this where you will insert the audio of like a loud cheer? Like, yes. Oh, yeah. God. They're going to be, you're kind of a big okay. deal up here. So that's good. Well, I just, yeah. I mean, I want to make <laughs> this sure is, that's funny. This is normally where I would have done the tangent about um, everything we just talked about, but we did it backwards. So it's all good. It's all good. Um, so the, the point of this show is it's loosely connected, uh, meaning sometimes something is said from the stage and we go deeper on it. Sometimes it's not connected at all. We just, uh, get somebody on here to talk about a book of the Bible or just some topic that we feel like is important. Uh, and this week, it is connected because we're doing a series right now called The Wind in My Sails. And it's an idea of the, the Holy Spirit. And the idea of the, of the illustration is that we need to, as Christians, be the ones who are willing to hoist our sails, put ourselves in a position where the Holy Spirit where it's, goes where it pleases. Um, and... Um, it's our job to make sure we are available to him, right? 
And so um, that's why we're doing this series. We're going to be getting uh, several different people's opinions and just ideas of the Holy Spirit to answer these questions. But before we get into questions, uh, you told me a story that was actually really informative for me from when you were in Bible college. Uh, 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 the professor asked you a question about the Holy Spirit, and you tried your best to answer. Yeah, it's a famous story. I um, it's not my not my most proud moment. So yeah, I was in uh, Y Huxford's. I think it was a uh, like a biblical interpretation class in at Atlanta Christian College, now Point University. And I, I mean, I was an upperclassman. I might have been a junior or senior. It wasn't like I was a kid. And uh, I believe you know we asked a question, and I was trying to respond to the question, and I was trying to talk about the Holy Spirit in my response, and. Uh, I referred to the Holy Spirit in my response as uh, an it. And so I said, you know, it, the Holy Spirit, it does this, and it. And so why stopped me? And he said, Mr. Saxton, uh, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person, so you can refer to him as he. I said, okay, thank you. So I, I took a breath, and we're going to start again. And uh, so I started again, and without fail, like just immediately used the pronoun it again to refer to the Holy Spirit. And, and if I remember, it's hard to remember the exact details, but I remember why I did something sort of like, um, yeah, so you're done. You don't, don't, don't talk anymore. And that was it. Like, I, I just remember that was being such a, like, you're, he shut me down. Like you're, it was almost like you're too stupid to, to discuss the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. So it was a real defining moment. Cause like, I've never forgotten in my entire life that the Holy Spirit is a, as a, a person is, uh, you know, it's a member of the Trinitarian community, to use a fancy term, and um, and that uh, it's he's he's a person and he's personal, uh, right. and we use we use he, but he's not gendered, right? Uh, so uh, so yeah, so yeah, that's my that's my claim to, and it was a class full of people, and and the thing is, I don't know that many more people in the room even picked up on the stupidity of that moment of yeah. me, but. But I, your, I, your ears are growing bright red and hot. You're like, you're, right. you're jittering with your pencil or your pen. Going, right. well, I, I felt like I was so, you know, I always felt like I was so smart, still do. And so, <laughs> and so, so when you really believe you're intelligent and uh, you're smart and your professor correction, you think, well, I got corrected, no big deal. And then he has to correct you for the exact same thing within, I don't know, about eight seconds. Yeah. Your level yeah. of, your, your, your view of yourself goes down dramatically. Yeah. But the reason I asked you to retell that story is because that story actually stuck in my mind because it is the thing we kind of struggle with, with the Holy Spirit is we, we forget that the term one God and three persons means something, right? That, that, that we do have a personal God. And so when the Holy Spirit is in our lives, it's not just some sort of, it's not our version of like the universe will care about me type thing. It's like, no, the Holy Spirit's a person who's, uh, should be referred to in a personal pronoun, not a, not an it, right? It's a he, right? Right, and he communicates personally. Right, and yeah. We'll talk about that later, but yeah, so he communicates personally. So uh, you grew up as a Christian. Um, when was uh, the first time you were introduced to the Holy Spirit? Like, how did you come to the point where you realized or knew that he existed? So I did grow up in church, and I grew up in... Um, for your listeners, I, I grew up in what's considered a Stone Campbell church, you know, and, uh, a restoration movement church. And so 
Uh, if you don't know what that is, just Google that real quick and uh, you'll, you'll read some stuff. But um, so what I was taught, the theology I was handed as a child by some you know, great saints and people who love Jesus deeply uh, was that um, salvation um, came at, at, the, uh, at the action of a five-finger exercise, right? And so this is kind of what I received, right? Um, you you uh, believe, you confess, you repent, you be baptized, and you follow Jesus. And this is kind of like the process of salvation. And so the baptism component of that, because we the tradition I grew up in, was more than just a um, public display of an internal change. It, it, uh, you might even say that some of the people that I was trained by as a kid were watery generationist, you know? It's, I don't know if they would say that or not, but it's possible. Um, so my first exposure to understanding, understanding of the Holy Spirit was, you know, as a kid, I was taught that uh, at baptism— you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that was based on Acts chapter 2, verse 38, which is like the famous restoration movement passage of Scripture. And uh, we hold on to that one more than any other one. (laughs) And and so so that that passage of Scripture uh, was kind of drilled into me that, hey, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the, the idea of the gift as a kid, what I understood that to mean was that, uh, that God was going to give me his spirit to dwell inside of me, uh, but that was going to happen at baptism. Now, okay. that, that's, yeah. the, that's, the, that's the, the rub, right, that I'm not so sure that's, that was reality or what. I don't, I'm not so sure I stand on that same position as firmly as fully as I was taught or I did at one point. Um, but that's not the point of this conversation. That's, that's how I was exposed to, um, to an understanding of the Holy spirit. Hey, you're going to get saved. And part of getting saved is you're going to be baptized. And part of being baptized is you're going to receive, uh, God's gift, which is uh, the Holy spirit to dwell inside of you. So God, okay. was gonna, God was going to make his home inside of you. So that was a very early age. I mean, I was baptized at 11. Yeah. So I came to understand that very, that I understood that much what I just explained to you very early. I didn't understand all the ramifications and the working out and how that would play out in my faith, but I did understand it. At, so, well, yeah. Okay. So you, at least nine, 10, 11, somewhere at that point where you started thinking about you know, getting to the age where you start thinking about becoming a Christian, that was the the term Holy Spirit became a part of your vocabulary around then, and it was the part. And but the only real way it was used was as the end of the salvation process, where this is what happens for Christians. Right. Okay. Yeah, there was no discussion about like how, what the ramifications of that would be for you know for the last finger of our five finger exercise, which was follow Jesus or live a Christian life, was the term that my church yeah. used. There, there was never any discussion about how the Holy Spirit actually empowers you <laughs> to live a Christian life. Right. right. Or, I, mean, I shouldn't say there never was. I, I don't remember that being driven into me as deeply as, oh, if you want to be saved and receive the Holy Spirit, you need to get in this baptistry because that's how you'll get the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. And, but, and, you know, I, I think that's, uh, um, 
an important, an important distinction that you just made right there. You said, I don't know that that was all that was ever talked about, but as kids growing up, we have a tendency to hear things and not really hear them. And, and maybe that was, you know, but yeah, so, but here's, that's kind of the point of the question, which is, I think a lot of us, especially those of us who grew up in the church, the term or the words Holy Spirit kind of comes into our dictionary at a certain point. But then the next question I want to ask is at what point were you sort of reintroduced to the Holy Spirit? Like at what point was there a moment in your life where you kind of woke up one day and you realized, oh, there's actually a lot more ramifications to a Christian having the Holy Spirit than I previously thought, or there's much more gravity to this person than I thought previously. Yeah. So, you know, interestingly, because I, I grew up in a, you know, a more conservative, non-charismatic expression of the faith, the Holy Spirit was something you really didn't talk about around that I remember anyway, uh, unless you're talking about it around um, the, the salvation experience. And so, you know, through my formative years there, I don't remember a lot of discussion. I remember a lot of discussion about God. I remember a lot of discussion about Jesus. I remember a lot of discussion about, um, repentance, a lot of discussion about repentance. Uh, but I don't remember a lot of discussion around, you know, the Holy spirit. And so, and the sad reality is that would go on through Bible college and even into a long period of ministry, uh, what ended up happening for me is I had a couple, it was a couple experiences. One of them was um, in 2001, I participated in a thing called the Walk to Emmaus. Maybe you've heard of that. Um, uh, Trace Diaz is called in some traditions or a chrysalis for students. And Walk to Emmaus was uh, instrumental in my life and for my marriage. And part of what happened on that experience was uh, I, I sensed the Holy Spirit helping me for the first time. Mm. Um, I, it's a, it's a long drawn out story, but I wanted to leave after like the first few hours there. It was a Thursday through Sunday event. I wanted to leave like by Thursday at nine. I was like, this is not for me. I didn't want to be there in the first place. <laughs> and, um, and I developed a, um, uh, some type of, uh, reaction to, uh, medicine I was on. I was taking Zyrtec and prednisone at the time. And I was taking them for this weird itching I was having in my hands and hair. And you got to understand I was 25 at the time. So I'm the young guy's 20, this is 21 years ago. And, uh, that evening I developed, uh, these red like spots on my arms and, uh, my upper arm and on my neck, like little red, like, uh, almost like measle looking things. And I also, um, was just, just, feeling like hard to breathe, almost like an asphyxiation response. And so this team, so I didn't learn about this till later, but this team of people, they, they knew that I was having this reaction. They knew that I'd gone to my sponsor who brought me on this thing. I said, Hey, I want to go home. I'm having some kind of medical stuff. I got to get out of here. And he said, Hey, give me an hour. Just give me an hour. And like, let's, let's figure this out. And so he, um, he went to this team of people and they all began to pray for me. And, mm. uh, and there was a doctor on the, on the walk, his name was, he was serving Dr. Fred Daniel. He's an ENT still here in Savannah knows like knows me. And it's just a cool story. He, uh, he recommended, he said, Hey, just double up on your prednisone and let's just see what happens. So I did. And it cleared, it cleared everything up. Like I was fine. And, uh, I ended up having like a revolution, revolutionizing, um, you know what I'm trying to say? Um, 
experience over those three days where I recommitted to my marriage. I recommitted to uh, ministry. I recommitted, um, you know, just to surrendering at a deeper level than I ever have before. And the, the crazy thing is the event ended on a Sunday night. We had closing, you know, event. And I went home that night and I had run out of prednisone. And so I was out of prednisone, but I kept taking the Zyrtec. And clearly I, what I was allergic to was the Zyrtec, which is ironic because it's a mm. allergy medicine. Yeah. And, uh, Actually, I have, it, I have it right there because uh, it, I'm not allergic to it. <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah. Don't ever let me take it unless you want to kill me. And so I got home that night and I'd run out of prednisone. So I kept taking my Zyrtec and I had taken one like they, that evening or afternoon at the event. So by the time I got home, all the prednisone was out of my system and uh, I, I still had Zyrtec in my system and asphyxiation came back on and red dots came back on. I ended up at the hospital that night with breathing, mm-hmm. tre- with breathing treatments and uh, for hours. And Marianne had to work the next morning. She was not happy with me. And, um, but so that was a moment for me where I knew that there was something that happened and you know, yeah, you could say just, okay, well, yeah, you doubled up on your prednisone and all. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, there were these moving pieces. There were these people praying for me. There was a doctor on the walk. There, you know, and and I didn't dig my heels in, right? So I think it, the Holy Spirit was like, "No, just do what He tells you." I'd never seen this doctor before in my life, and but you just kind of like you try, like you somebody says, "Hey, I'm a doctor." You're like, "Oh, what should I do?" And they tell you to do it. And you're like, "Oh, I'll do that." Like you never think, yeah. well, maybe they're not a doctor. You know what I mean? <laughs> maybe, maybe they're like a maybe they're like a you know uh, what's, what's Ross? He's a doctor of. Uh, 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 paleontology, like maybe he's a paleontologist, and you don't even know that, you know. Yeah. I mean? And you're like, oh, it's a double up on prednisone, okay. But I didn't even question that. I just was like, oh, okay, I'll double up on prednisone. And so, I, so the Holy Spirit, I, I think that that's kind of an awakening for me. Like, oh, there, there were a lot of. This was truly not my flesh. This was truly something super. You know, I don't want to say supernatural because it was definitely not supernatural, but it was definitely something spiritual. And right. then a few years later, in uh, 2008, I taught in Africa at a small church in a village there, a four-day series on the Holy Spirit. It was very much like an outline-driven teaching and where I did a survey of the Holy Spirit and unpacked it from, like, Scripture. So, you know, teaching the Bible from Old Testament, New Testament, unpacking the, you know, a very in-depth topical study of the Holy Spirit, it really opened my eyes to a lot of what I did not know, having, having grown up in the local church, and attended a Bible college and done ministry for about eight years at that point. Yeah. And it was like, it just took, and it took me hours to prep for that and then, you know, days to teach it. But there is a truth to, there is a truth to experience that helps us understand the Holy Spirit. But I think that the real power was when I actually looked at what the scripture said. And when I began to just unpack kind of how the scriptures fit together, both Old Testament, New Testament, how the New Testament writers and the Old Testament writers kind of come together, and then how the New Testament writers are all saying the same thing about the Holy Spirit. Uh, when, I, when I actually did that work, and now granted I had to do the work because I was teaching it, but when I actually did that work, um, man, it totally changed my understanding of the power of the Holy Spirit and what he does. Wow. So is, <laughs> is it, yeah, that's amazing. Um, one of the things I, I try to remind myself and I try to remind people is that one of the, one of the clearest descriptions of what it means to be a Christian is someone who follows Jesus, right? Like, 
And the reason I like that terminology so much is even though, even though I know it came from uh, the the you know the rabbi system, but one of the great things about that is it it implies this length of time of where God is willing to spend about two decades letting this eleven year old Christian start working his way through, and he's and he's. I don't think that God was like mourning the amount of time it took. I think he's like, yeah, let's, let's take this whole process, keep walking down the path type thing. But, um, well, and you know, during that season, during those years, especially like my early twenties and, and my teenage years, there was a lot of flesh driven attempts at holiness. Mm. Yeah. And if you've been a Christian for a little while and you're listening to this, you, uh, maybe, you know, you kind of white knuckle your way and willpower your way into being a good Jesus following Christian. And so there was a lot of that, like, I want to be a good Christian. And what, one of the things that the Holy Spirit taught me was that uh, no matter how much I white knuckle this, uh, this will, I will not arrive at a place where God accepts me based on my behavior. Yeah. Uh, and that, and that it's only when I surrender to uh, the work of the Holy Spirit who, who teaches me how to follow Jesus. That's when I began to experience that change. And that's, that, that started a whole nother slow process. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And it's just following Jesus down the path a little more, a little more, a little more. Yeah. Right. Right. So what is the, uh, what does the Holy spirit do? Uh, So Jesus, the most simple answer to that, in my view is like Jesus said, he will come to help us. He will help you. So I think the biggest thing is Jesus is a helper. I mean, I think the Holy Spirit is a helper. And so then I think based on our personality, based on our, uh, you know, uh, what we're prone to um, be led away by in our idolatrous heart, you know, what we're prone to kind of go after, uh, the Holy Spirit helps us based on the way our personality is wired. And in other words, he's, he is, he is, uh, he's a helper for us individually. And so he helps us. I think for me, the way he helps me is he's constantly pointing me to the gospel and specifically the, the beauty of Jesus within the gospel. When I say the gospel, what I mean is the, um, the mechanism by which God saved me. Mm. And so, so, so he helps us. He, he shines the light on Jesus. The Holy Spirit's not interested in my, in my opinion of shining the light on himself. Um, he shines the light on Jesus. He's always trying to highlight Jesus. And yeah. so, so he's point, he's, he helps me by pointing me to Jesus. And then Jesus is my teacher. And so that happens most often in scripture. Now that it happens in nature sometimes and but that's open to a lot of interpretation in that moment or that. Like, oh, this is beautiful. Right. Look at the sunset. And then, you know, that could be God or it could be, you know, it's just like, it's, it could be a weird country song. Like it just, you know, yeah. but whenever, but whenever I'm in scripture, so whenever I'm in scripture, the Holy spirit helps me see the gospel. So for example, I remember reading a couple of years ago in Jeremiah. And if you remember, Jeremiah is um, kind of warning the people that Babylon's coming and there's nothing they can do about it. You remember that? Like he's like, yeah. Hey, it's, it's going to happen. And then they hate him. So mm-hmm. they, they like arrest him, they beat him, they throw him in a pit. They're doing everything they can to get the guy to shut up. And he's asking God, can I just stop telling them? And God's like, no, we got to keep telling them. He's like, yeah, they're not, 
they're not really listening. <laughs> and, um, and so if I, if I remember correctly, Babylon's like almost there. Like the army's coming up to the city and the, the, the inhabitants are, you know, the city dwellers are like, oh my gosh, he was right this whole time. He was right. And Jeremiah's like, I know, I told you. And here's the thing, you can still be saved. You can still be saved. It's not too late to be saved. All you have to do is go out of the city gates and surrender hmm. and, you, and you will live and not die. And I'm reading this in Jeremiah and I went, oh my gosh, there's the gospel. Oh, there's the gospel. Like right. to be saved from our enemy is to surrender, to, 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 walk out of the, to walk out of our place of security, out of our place of safety. All the things we think will save us to abandon those and, and, to, and to surrender ourselves. Uh, and, and it never makes sense, right? So what Jeremiah is saying, and they don't do it, right? They're just like, no, we're going to hold up. You're an idiot. And of course, they're all, most of them are drug off. The best of them are drug off to exile. And so, um, and so like what happens is when you read, when you, when you understand that the Holy Spirit is trying to help you uh, one of the things he, I believe he's trying to help us with is, um, is seeing Jesus and seeing the gospel. And then we read the scriptures. He goes, oh, you know, look, look, you, you need to see this. I have a friend. His name is Garrett. He says that um, this book knows you. He, he says that mm-hmm. this book knows you. And so that's the Holy Spirit, right? It's the Holy Spirit going, oh, I know you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, like, help you see things in the scripture. But if we don't spend time mm-hmm. in the scripture, we don't engage the scriptures, then... Um, then the Holy Spirit lacks the tool that God has given both him and me for me to see more fully the gospel in Jesus. And so like when we, uh, when we abandon the scriptures or neglect the scriptures, we're taking a tool away from the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. I would just add one more thing to what he helps us with. And um, I think he helps us with our identity. And again, I think that's in the scriptures, but I also, also think that's in, um, in just in the still quietness of our time when we preach the gospel to ourselves. He helps us with our identity. He reminds us, you know, we talk about the Holy Spirit convicting us of sin, but I actually think he convicts us of our righteousness. Uh, mm. Hebrews ten fourteen. for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And so the Holy Spirit uh, doesn't come to me and say, you're such a terrible person. Why do you do these terrible things? No, that's the Bible calls that Satan, who's the accuser. Mm. The Holy Spirit actually comes to me and says, uh, this is not who you are. You're, you're a son and you are chosen and you have a destiny and you're going to live for all eternity in a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, step into who you are and no, nothing that you do will ever change that identity. So anyway, yeah. and I could go on and on, but that, I think mm-hmm. that's a kind of a, a summation of how I see what the Holy Spirit does. Helper. He helps me. He helps me. He helps me. Yeah. I love that. And that's, um, I think, I think I think that's really useful. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of that. And I think the nature of the Holy Spirit being a person, which we've already covered, and then asking what the Holy Spirit does, kind of um, in some way has already answered the next two questions. But if you want to give a slightly different spin or just nice little button on them, if you want, what is what is the Christian's relationship to the Holy Spirit? Yeah, you know, I, I was reading that in the show notes, and I was just like. <clears throat> How, you know, I was thinking, like, how would I add to that, that answer? I think that the word that I would just say to believers who, are, who just want to move beyond a moral deism, like I'm trying to be a good person and I, there's a God and I hope I go to heaven. So if you're listening to that and that's kind of your view of Christianity, like I'm trying to be good, 
I'm hoping God's going to accept me and, and hopefully it'll all work out. Like that's not the hope that you've been called to. So just, mm-hmm. you, you can die to that. That's not the hope you've been called to. Uh, Christianity is a message of assured salvation. And I think the, the Christian's relationship with the Holy Spirit is uh, about constantly being aware that the Holy Spirit's dwelling inside of you. And even that term dwelling, so you think about how a Christian engages with the Holy Spirit, God has always pursued dwelling with his people. Hmm. The garden, the tabernacle, the uh, um, David's Mount of Zion, okay, mm. which is where the ark was under a canvas tent. And so there's, 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 the, there's Zion's hill where the ark is, where God's presence is. And uh, the Psalm, David in the Psalms will tell us he sits in the shadow of the Lord. Some scholars think he would literally go to Zion and sit in the shadow of the ark and the canvas tent. Mm. You know? So God has always uh, the burning bush, right? And it culminates in the ultimate dwelling of God with his people um, is Jesus Christ. Jesus comes and dwells among his people for a season of on earth. But then even that is uh, expanded. And so that now God dwells with his people through his Holy Spirit. And so now we don't go to a sanctuary. We are the sanctuary. Yeah. We, don't, we don't go to a temple. We are the temple. And so God has decided to live inside of me through his Holy Spirit. And so I think one of the ways that Christians, um, you know, the Christian relationship with the Holy Spirit is to constantly remind myself that I am the place where God has chosen and always desired to dwell. Yeah. And, And my physical body is an overlap between God's space, heaven, and man's space, earth. I am an overlap. I am a place where God dwells on this earth. And so right. I, I think just kind of like, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm not just somebody who's trying to be a good person and hope I go to heaven when I die. No, I'm a walking, talking sanctuary temple of the most high God who desired me and made me perfect so that he could uh, live inside of me. He cleansed me of my sin. He washed me through the blood of his son so that he could live inside of me because that's what he's always desired. Yes. So, yeah, <clears throat> my my answer to the question of how were you reintroduced to the Holy Spirit would have been something along the lines of the day I orig- the day I officially heard, like it actually stood out to me that Jesus said, "I'm going, but it's better for you that I go because I'm yeah. sending the Holy Spirit." Right. That's when I realized, oh, there's something, there's something more, right? And what you just talked about is it, right? There, there's <laughs> my life group's going through the Book of Mark. Right. And and what happens early in the book of Mark is he just sort of goes on this meteoric rise before before the end of chapter one, his disciples are going, Jesus, where were you? Everyone's looking for you. Right. And that was a situation people had to deal with when Jesus was dwelling among men. And we say he was glad to be here, but he's also leaving, getting out of Dodge, getting away from these people. And the Holy Spirit, you never have to go, hey, Holy Spirit, where have you been? Right. <laughs> he's, he's right here. He's here. Right. right. And I think that's the key to engagement is, uh, so you cannot engage the Holy Spirit. Well, I shouldn't say, I, I shouldn't use an absolute statement like that. If we want to be people who engage the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day lives, I think it's, it is very difficult to do so without some 
discipline around the scriptures, whether that's you're listening to it on your Bible app or you're reading it or you're, um, uh, or you're listening to devotions or, or, and like, even if you're just reading tiny little bits, like, Hey, I'm going to read a chapter of Proverbs a day. I'm going to read five verses of the gospel of John a day. Even, even if it's just a little itty bitty bit, um, that opens the door to kind of, uh, realign your heart to the truth that your body is a place of residence for God. And so then you, you just, by reading God's word, you tune your ears to God's voice. And so that engaging with the Holy spirit becomes that much easier because you recognize the promptings of the Holy Spirit because they will always, this is important, they will always be in line with the Scripture. Like the Holy right. Spirit will never prompt us um, to, to, go, to do or engage in anything that's not in alignment with the Scriptures. And so, um, you know, that, that's why Scripture is so key to engaging with the Holy Spirit. Uh, is, and then I think also there's some wisdom in just asking uh, the Holy Spirit to lead you. There's just wisdom in saying, mm. "Hey, Holy Spirit, like I, I need you to um, to guide my words today in this meeting. I need you to, uh, I need you to sh- to teach me the the way I need to respond to my children today when I get home after this long tired day. Like sitting in the car for just thirty seconds before you get out of the car and say, thirty hey, seconds longer, like right." Just, you know. Just, hey, holy, just you know, that awareness that he's there for you and that he wants to help you and that you will be, uh, you will be God's representative in your house if you just re- recognize that he's there and you just kind of say, hey, I'm, listen- I'm, I'm going to listen. I'm just going to listen for a minute and just let you know that I, I want you to lead me in this moment as I go home after a long day and my kids miss me and they are just so excited, but I am so exhausted I just, you know, that, that 30 seconds can make the difference in your kids lives for, you know, that if you, that discipline becomes part of your life every day and your, your, the connection you have with your kids is totally different. I mean, there's just, man, there's just so much, there's so much, there's so much there, but I I hope, I hope that the people who listen to this will, um, will just also know, like you said, it's a journey. And if you kind of set out to be like, I'm going to understand everything about the Holy spirit. I'm going to listen to this series. I want like you, you can hang that up. Right? Yeah. It's, it's about taking off bite-sized nuggets of truths about the Holy Spirit and truths from Scripture and then just allowing yourself to be patient with yourself on that journey of following Jesus and knowing that God is not disappointed. He, he doesn't have a timetable for you. He's not like, oh, man, we're really behind with Saxton. I thought we'd be further along. Like, that's that's not why he saved us. <laughs> Again, right. you know, he... Hebrews 10, 14, I, he's made me perfect, but he's making me holy. And that's on his timetable. And I go through seasons of surrender and seasons of not surrender. And, you know, it's, it's part of the journey, part of the process.